Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres, as I promised. Our brand-new issue was up yesterday, including my conversation with the one and only R.L. Stein. Yes, he of the Goosebumps, uh, I don't know what you can call it, franchise. Wonderful guy, very funny guy, very humble guy. Great conversation. Check it out, authormagazine.org. We're also funded by the one and only Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can find that out all you want to about the PNWA at pnwa.org. That's .org. I... Uh, I should mention, I have been talking about this, but I'm going to be doing a little bit of teaching around and about. Uh, first of all, I will be, let's see, oh, this Sunday, October 7th, if you're keeping track, I'll be in Edmonds, Washington at Right on the Sound teaching fearless marketing. Uh, if you've signed up for that, I think the class is full, but if you signed up for that, say hello. If you like this class I or if you like my podcast, I'd love to talk to everybody who's into the stuff I'm doing. And I'm also going to be down in Pasadena on uh, the end of October, October 25th and 26th, 27th, for the Writer's Digest Novel Writing Conference. I'll be down there teaching uh, listening to the muse, how to listen to your muse, and how to give a killer keynote. Two of my favorite things to do. So check it out. If you're going to be there, say hello. I'd love to talk to you. It's good fun. Okay. I I don't want to waste a lot of time on me because I've been wanting to talk to this guy again. Uh, for uh, for a long time. It's Andre Debus the third. Andre Debus. He is. If you've been a fan of Author Magazine, you've seen my conversations with him there. But I've never had him on the podcast, so I'm I'm writing that wrong today. Andre is the author of six books, including the New York Times bestsellers House of Sand and Fog, The Garden of Last Days, and his fantastic memoir. I can't recommend it enough. Townie, Dirty Love. Uh, was a New York Times notable book selection, a New York Times editor's choice, and a 2013 notable fiction choice from the Washington Post, and a Kirkus starred book uh, of 2013. Andre has been a finalist for the National Book Award and has been awarded a Guggenheim Fellowship, the National Magazine Award for Fiction, two Pushcart Prizes, and is a 2012 recipient of an American Academy of Arts and Letters Award in Literature. But today, today, boys and girls, October 2nd is the publication date for his latest book, Gone So Long, and we are so lucky to have him on the show to talk about it. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. It's good to talk to you again, man. So, Andre, I've been wanting to ask you this question for a long time since I last talked to you, which we, which we surmised was about three years ago when you came to give the keynote at the PNWA's 60th anniversary conference. Yes. And, uh, and so we were talking, and you said to me, I just want to write one great novel. That's what yeah. you said to me. Do you remember that? I do. I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, two questions. First of all, I'm sorry to say you already did write one great book, but, you know, that's just my opinion. And who am I? But, but, well, have you done it? Have you done it? Have you done it yet? Did Gone So Long do it for you? Uh, well, look, um, I, I live and die creatively by that Samuel Beckett line. Ever tried, ever failed, never mind, try again, fail better. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know. I I, I think that uh, I think it's an honest book. I worked really hard on it for five years. Um, I I just have to say this is always the case with with me and my own work. Is I'm I'm the last to know. You, you yeah. This is how I feel. <laughs> I try to work so hard on it. There's nothing left. To use all right. those sports cliches, I try to leave yeah. it in the ring, leave the race on the road, all that stuff. But the way I feel, and I feel this way about this new novel, Gone So Long, someone could tell me it's the best thing I've ever done, and I believe him. I, or they could say it's the worst thing I've ever done, and I believe him. I, I, yeah. yeah, you just I don't gonna, know. Do you identify with that, too? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I, you know what I say to my students? I say, look, when you write the book, you give it to, to the readers, and that book becomes theirs when they read it. But I do yeah. think that what you go through writing it belongs just to you. In other words, what mm-hmm. you had to, does that make sense? Yeah, I, words, I, I like that. Yeah. Good or bad, whether it's, whether, you know, whether it wins you the Pulitzer or it doesn't sell at all, what you go through, that belongs to you. And that will always be yours. You yeah. Know? Maybe that's yeah, the point. Yeah. And, and I think writers should, should uh, celebrate that. You know, it, it's a triumph to finish a book. And I tell, try to tell my students who, see it through all the way. Listen, man, a lot of people talk about writing a book. It's very hard to do it. So if you've done it, bravo, no matter what happens with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to get into the middle and just say, Oh, screw it. This is just too damn hard. It's not where it's too, you know, you get all confused because every, most of the novelists I've talked to, particularly ones who don't write in a series, you know, I think sometimes novelists who are writing a book a year in a series, they have a different relationship to it, but who are Mm -hmm. sort of reinventing the wheel each time they get into the middle at some point and they go, what the hell have I done? Like, yeah, exactly. No matter how many times you've done it. Right. Oh, exactly. You know, um, I used to not like the word author because I, I thought it sounded kind of hoity-toity. I like the word yeah. writer better. But then I looked up the word author, and I like it, you know, because it means the originator or beginner of something. Ah, and, I, you know, I've been writing all my adult life, but whenever I start a new book, I, I feel not only am I originating or beginning this brand-new step into the dream world, but I'm also <laughs> originating, it feels like, how to write all over again. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, that it was, it was, um, Alice Hoffman who said that to me the first time I, sh- I was talking to her and because I had heard Meryl Streep, I say mm-hmm. in an interview that she, she, uh, she couldn't believe people still wanted her in movies. This was, you know, 10 years ago. And I thought, what mm-hmm. the hell? This is Meryl Streep. And I, and for some reason I mentioned that to Alice Hoffman when I interviewed her and Alice Hoffman's had such a great career and she's, you know, done all, all this wonderful stuff. Right. And, exactly. uh, and, and she said, I know just what she means. She said, every time I sit down to write a book, I feel like, how do you do this? I, I don't know how to do this. And she'd written like 27 books or some such nonsense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's that's fascinating. How she, that's how she felt. You know, it, one thing I was thinking about, I, but it, it's been on my mind, the, I just want to write a great book. And it occurs to me like, cause, cause here's the thing. You have read a book and thought, man, that's a great book, right? I haven't mm-hmm. you read something and thought, thank God someone wrote that. Absolutely, yeah. and I feel nothing but creative joy when I do, and I'm inspired. That's right. And so, but the trick is, and so you think, yeah, I'd love to do that. How would you ever know? How would you ever know if you've written one? <laughs> you can't even answer that question, can you? Yeah, but I do know, Bill, and I'm, I'm sure you've interviewed writers, or maybe know some personally who, who do seem to know. I mean, I, I do have some writers who are very successful in the world out there, and they, 
they do know. They'll say, this is a good book. I'm looking forward to people reading it. And uh, <laughs> I just never feel that way. I, I always hope it's even better than a good book. But yeah, who knows, baby? Who knows? Who knows indeed? But actually, I will say, what when we talked also, a couple things came up that time. Uh, the first was, uh, you told me that with this book, you had to scrap like, You'd written a first draft, but I think it was like 100,000 words or something, and you basically just put it all in the, in the bin. Am I remembering I the story correctly? I, yeah. Exactly. Have, I, have I you sure ever done did. that before? I, uh, many, many times. I cannot okay. tell you how many times. I, you know, look, I've been writing all my adult life, which is, right. you know, 36 years or so. And, and I, I, can, I can promise you that 95% of whatever – I've put out in the world writing-wise are the phoenixes that rose from the ashes of what failed. And, yeah. and so it's, you know, I, I love that this story about the old man, the sea, and Hemingway. A lot of people don't know that that beautiful Pulitzer Prize-winning masterpiece novella, The Old Man, the Sea, came from a 1,500-page, three-volume book called The Sea Book. What? Um, that he spent, yeah, he spent seven years working on this, 1,500 pages, and he said to himself, the only thing worth a damn in these 1,500 pages is that story about the fish, the boy, and the old man in the boat. And, and so I what I'm getting at that. is Hemingway had to actually create the oyster in which to find the pearl. And so, wow. yeah, man. Oh, I, man, I, I, that's I, a great so, story. I didn't yeah. know that. I just, I just reread that book like a month ago. I bought Fantastic, it and reread huh? it for some reason. that weird time? Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Stunning. Oh, I thought he shot. For some reason, I thought he wrote that thing in like a month or something. It was like one of these crazy, like, white hot heats. But no, well, it reads it like that, doesn't it? It reads yeah. like he just wrote yeah. it in a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. But, but, no. but uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, who? I don't know. I mean, maybe the actual Old Man the Sea part came quickly. But you know, Hemingway was not a fast writer. He wrote. He wrote slowly and carefully. You know, um, there's that great line from Goethe, the German writer I love, do not hurry, do not rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never hurry, never pause. I, well, maybe it's rest, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, all right, all right. So today's publication day. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what that, what does that, what does that mean to you? Like, do you feel anything? Do you feel kind of relief, nervousness? What's it like for Andre? Because you've done I, I feel, I, I feel naked, vulnerable, ugly, stupid, <laughs> and wrong. And, and I'm already on the cusp of so much self-loathing, I want to throw up. But I know oh, that's no. great. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no. The truth is, uh, it's an incredible privilege and honor to publish your work. It's, it's such a good problem to have. Um, yeah. But I do, my favorite part of being a writer is writing. And, and when yeah. the book's done, it's a delicious, as you know, gorgeous Joyous day to get that, you know, uh, that box cardboard of books. box with the yeah. books in it that you created. But I, I do feel very vulnerable, and I, and I, you know, writers are sensitive. But you got to be tough. You got to take it on the chin. Not everybody's going to like what you did. And but it's it's your baby. You have a real parental feeling towards it, and you worry about how it's going to do out in the world. So for me, there's a lot of trepidation and anxiety. Um, even though I know it's a joyous experience and to be grateful for it, which I am. Well, see, but the reason I call this book, this show, Author to Author, and I edit Author Magazine, is not because I love the sort of uh, majesty of the word author, 
but because mm-hmm. I think your the writing and the authoring are two separate things. And I think our relate that what everyone has to wrestle with is the, is being an author, meaning the awareness. It's one thing to write in your journal. It's another thing to write knowing theoretically you want to share your work with another human being over whom you have, whose whose response to your work you have no control over, but sort yep. of. You kind of need them to like it, and yet you really don't want to sit around thinking about whether they like it. And so, and in fact, fearless writing is all about a book about how not to care what people think about your work. Because I think, I, and I, I think I've heard you talk more. about yeah, this. You, it shuts yeah, you down, I, right? Well, I totally agree. I, I think if there's anyone enemy to human creativity, or maybe bouncing a basketball for that matter, it's <laughs> self-consciousness. If you've got one eye on the mirror to see how you're doing. You're not doing it as fully as you can or maybe should. And, and so I, I could not agree more, Bill. I think you're totally correct. Yeah, and it's really it's a lifelong – to me, what, what I teach my students and what I write about fearless writing is every time I sit down to write, I have to find – I think of it as my creative balance, which is, the, the, is to forget to care what people will think of my work. I mean I'm better yeah. at it now than I ever was when I was young, but I still have to do it. You know, that's right. I still have to go through it. I assume that's you right. And, and, and yeah, but there's a fine balance too. Right back to Hemingway for a second. He had that great line that, you know, um, writing is easy until you think of the reader, which right. is you know wh- what you're saying. Of course, is different from wanting to give the reader a feast. You want to give the exactly. reader a feast, um, yeah. ultimately. But you can't be thinking about him or her or them when you're trying to descend into the dream world of your own imagination. You got to do it alone. And you got to do it alone for a long time. Yeah, you do. And yeah, because there is a thing about where I find the concept of a reader helpful is the idea that how can I translate this so someone who isn't in my head seeing what I'm seeing could see it? Because I do have to mm-hmm. take the three-dimensional uh, world where there's sound and noise and, and color and shape and turn it into just words. And how do I do that? So another person could experience something. And that yeah. I find useful, that awareness of the reader, which I think. Oh, is what absolutely. Talking yeah, about, absolutely. Right? And if, you know, you look at the word to revise, of course you break it down etymologically it means to see again. I know a yeah. writer. Um, oh God, what's her name? She writes big books. She's from Hawaii. You know what she does when she finishes a draft of a novel bill, which takes her years. She Uh actually gets dressed in clothes she doesn't normally wear. She goes and sits on a piece of furniture in a room in her house she rarely goes. She'll sip a little (laughs) something she wouldn't normally sip, like port or something. And she literally tries to become a different – she gets into the character of someone who's not herself, the reader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, that, I, huh? I knew just where you were going with that, Well, because that's, that's what you want to do. In fact, not to keep going back to Alice Hoffman, but I thought I was at, when I interviewed her the first time, I was dealing with rewriting some stuff, and I was kind of struggling with it. So I thought, well, fuck it, I'm going to ask Alice Hoffman what she thinks about it. I said, yeah. how do you deal with rewriting? And she said, I try to read it like it's someone else's book. I, that, yes. that's, what she, that's what she tries to do. And it's not easy, but you kind of um, – that's a kind of a trick you have to play with yourself, but that's the best way to read it. I, think. I totally agree, and 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 you also. It, it, this is very simple. What I'm about to say, but I found it helpful when somebody gave me this advice years ago, and it might have been advice I read. I don't know if it was said directly to me, but the here's the line: try to write the kind of book you want to read. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> you know? true. Yeah. yeah, try to write the book that you 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 ju- you just you. you 
yeah, you just wish was on the on the or you wish was on the because you know it's interesting. I've known there's two roots to people who write who, way. I've known a lot of creation stories of how people come to their writing career, and one is they're like, oh, I read Lord of the Rings. I really want to write fantasy novels just like that. That's so cool. And the other one is they read books and they think, no, they got it all wrong. They got it all wrong. This is how these kinds of books should end. This is how that should be done. Uh, and <clears> both seem to work well. You know that that. There needs to be, you know, in fact, I started writing the kind of stuff I do, which is a sort of creative nonfiction, because I didn't like the way I heard, I saw a lot of people talking about writing. It was kind of driving me crazy. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to bring another sort of spirituality into it. I'm sure it's out there, but Beautiful. I wasn't seeing it. So I, so that was what I, you know, that was the way I filled a void I believed existed. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it does make sense. And it reminds me of Gene Reese, the, the wonderful uh, novelist. I don't know if you've read The White Sargasso Sea. Oh, you're in for a uh-uh. treat. She was a prostitute yeah. and a showgirl. And um, ah. she's got this great image that that I share with my students who are, you know, very understandably very hungry to publish. But you don't want to be yeah. so hungry that you rush the book and then don't write the best thing you can, you're can. you capable of writing. Anyway, she's got this great image. She said, look, if culture is is a big ocean, then there are major rivers that flow into that ocean like Mozart and Shakespeare and Claude Monet. She said, but right. there are also smaller streams like my five novels. She said, but they're still flowing into the same ocean. That's good. And so, yeah, isn't that beautiful? It's, I think yeah. it's really poignant. What she's really saying is we just want to be part of the conversation. And, conversation, and that's a beautiful yeah. human uh, impulse. So the best publicist, he wasn't really a publicist I ever talked to, he gave me this language, and I love it. And I use it. I'm teaching fearless marketing. It's really because I think writers hate to market, and I'm trying to help them emotionally with it. Because if they're not Andre DeBuse or someone who's got big advances, they have to do their own marketing, and they just hate it, right? So I'm yeah, trying to help it. them deal with the, Good. You know, Good it's just you. miserable, right? And so yeah. one of the language I try to give them, because they all feel the same way. I don't want to tell people to buy my book. I don't want to tell, you know, and I don't, I don't want to tell people that either. But what I, and I'm curious to hear your take on this. What I say to them is, no, you're offering people an opportunity to have a conversation. Every book is a mm-hmm. conversation. You begin it, the reader finishes it. You begin it, the reader. And so what's your conversation about? You know, some people talk about politics, some people talk about sports, some people talk about spirituality. I don't know. I mean, this is a tough question for you to answer, but you're offering a conversation, I think, a particular conversation. What do you think that's – if someone asks you what that's conversation about when they sit down to read Andre Debuse, what do you think that is? Well, I mean, the, the 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 big the big thing for me is 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 I try to stay unconscious about themes when I'm writing so that they'll emerge right. organically from the inside out. Right. That said, though, uh, after I finished a book, a big part of the revision process, right, is to get really smart about what you've dreamed, and in yeah. that process, um, I learn more. So what I'm getting at is, for example, with this new novel, Gone So Long, that just came out today, uh, I, I, I seem to be haunted in this writing life and then maybe in life itself by how wrongly certain lives can go. And, right. you know, I'm a sucker for compassion on the page as a reader. Um, I'm not a fan of books that, are, that poke fun at their own, where the author pokes fun at his his own or usually it's his own characters um yeah yeah it usually is a man uh you know and i you know i i don't like self-indulgent writing where the writer is trying to show off his vocabulary or how world-weary or hip he is or ironic i really prefer the kind of work that is um where you can sense the writer 
trying to step into the world of these characters with some sense of compassion and lack of judgment. So to answer your question, what is the conversation like for me? That's the kind of conversation I'm trying to have with all my books, I believe, is asking people to walk in the shoes of someone they may never be and to do it yeah. with compassion and see what they might See if, see if it might enlarge their own existence in some way by doing so. I know that happens for me as a reader with books that yeah. I love like that. You know what? When I read your work, Andre, the word that comes to mind for me is forgiveness. Depressing. That, no. <laughs> well, sometimes depressing. Yes, I'm sure sometimes <laughs> that comes for people. But the word that comes up, particularly for this book, is uh, forgiveness. What do you think of that? Oh, wow. I love that. I love like that. that. That's what that's what it seems. What it that's what it feels to me. It's sort of a sort of a deep dive into forgiveness. Maybe that's just because what I'm looking for in life, but that's what I get from it. Well, I I I, I like that quite a bit. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, are, aren't we all? Don't we all want to be forgiven our flaws and our oh, yeah. mistakes and our failures and. You know, one of my favorite lines, and, you know, this may be a line, this is a line that can tick some people off and, frankly, would get me shot, hung, or imprisoned in other countries. <laughs> Thank God for the First Amendment. But it comes uh-huh. from uh, Tom Waits' Heart Attack and Vine song. Uh-huh. And the line is, there is no devil, there's just God when he's drunk. And, yeah, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if people find that blasphemous for obvious reasons, but what I love wow. about that line is I do believe that, you know, we're all born full of light and love, and then we screw yeah. it up, <laughs> right? You know, as we're trying to find our way back home. Oh, yes, that finding our way back home, exactly. Yeah. But it's the journey home that, you know, the thing is, if we just stayed there, I guess it would be okay, but there's something meaningful about, I forget, there's a spiritual quote about that, which is, it's nice when you, what you, when you have what it was, well, the, the T.S. Eliot quote about we return again and, and see What's the quote? It's a journey, I think it's from the Journey of the Magi. Yeah, and you, we, you see it as if for the first time. Yeah, and you kind of it's like a return to child, what you understood, I think, when you came in, but you learn it unconsciously as an adult. Another way, another way to think of it is this. I, I, so in I, in Fearless Writing, I talk about getting into what I call the flow, the dream. You call it the dream. I love that language too. But you get into that state of like an altered state, right, where your things are coming Almost to you. Almost a semi trance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And every writer I know, whether they're writing romance or thrillers or literature or poetry, try, want that state and love that state. And what I wanted to talk to people about is how do you do it on purpose as opposed to just, oh, today it happened. Yesterday it didn't happen. And I think of kind of life the same way that as kids, you're doing it almost accidentally. As an adult, maybe we find peace on purpose. Does that resonate? No, yeah, it really resonates. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, one of my favorite words is is to remember, and you and I, I think, have talked about this yeah, question we when we were talking yeah. about my memoir, um, yeah. is, is, hold on, I'm, I'm forgetting my, I just lost my train of thought. The, um, but remembering. Well, the, the, the opposite of remember is not to forget, it's dismember, you know, chop, chop, right. chop. Remember right. means to put put p- the pieces back together again, and I think that's what you're getting at. Is that on some level, um, it's as if we're born with all we need, and then 
we come into this mortal veil and it's all obscured. That's and then right. piece by piece, That's we right. work our way back to some enlightenment. It might be a very Buddhist way of looking at it all, frankly. Yeah. I was told, I was told, I was giving a talk at a writer's conference, and some guy came up to me and said, you're a Buddhist. I said, I am? He said, yeah. yeah said, I've been okay. accused of the I'll same thing, and I, I take right. it as a compliment. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're a couple accidental Buddhists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so I had a great conversation with a relative of yours, uh, James Lee Burke, who is your what, we, what did we decide he was your second cousin? He's my once? he's my first cousin once removed. He he was okay. he's my father's generation. They were first cousins. My father okay. Andrew Abuse, the short story writer, and James Lee Burke. Yeah. yeah. So so James Lee's aunt was my maternal grandmother. You all follow that? There's going to be a test at the end of this conversation. So. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So so yeah. So I had a conversation with him. As I mentioned to you, it was just it was it was a great conversation. And he was the first writer I've taught. And I mean. And I said that you were not just related to him by blood, but somehow I think sort of creatively you feel related to him. And he talked about, he didn't use the word muse, but he, he was the first writer I've talked to who was absolutely dead unapologetic about, I don't write these things. If you think you write these things, you're screwed. You can't do it. You've got to just make peace with the fact that it's you plus something else, whatever you call it. And I've certainly talked about that with a lot of people, but his absolute certainty about it was so refreshing to me. And it kind of compelled me to embrace what I had been believing kind of quietly, but not always sure if I was feeling a little shy about just coming out with it. But he did. Do you agree with with your first cousin once removed? One hundred thousand percent. And and he's one of my favorite writers. He's such a beautiful prose stylist and his characters are incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, and I, yes, and it, and it makes me think of D. H. Lawrence, who said, "It is not I who writes, but the wind that blows through me." And yeah. you know, we've all yeah. had Ooh. that feeling, right? If if we're fortunate yeah. enough, we've had that those moments at the desk where you just feel as if you've. Well, this is what it feels like for me when I'm writing with, and I, I there's no way to get it without a certain degree of authentic curiosity. But if I'm yeah. writing with real curiosity, really trying to understand what it might be to be a person in a certain situation, um, and then you're reaching for concrete, specific sensory detail, that, that burrows, that combination, that kind of fuel and that, those kind of craft things that can be taught and learned and practiced, yeah. you burrow down, down in. And what happens is I feel as if I hit some underwater stream where there's a current that catches me and starts to take me. And again, it feels as if you've unearthed something or excavated something, that you're not contriving or making it, you're allowing it, which is quite bizarre. Yep, because you're alone, right? Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, I I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing Stephen King on stage a few years ago, and, and he said, look, all my books are found objects. You know, right. I brush them off and I think this, but no, it's this. And I just go with it. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a tricky thing. It's, I think it's one of the hardest. You can't really teach it, but you can. I think we can teach re- writers to believe in it, to trust it, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. embrace it. You know, because I can't be in that dream with them. I can't. I don't know. But I think we can help them believe in, believe in what happens in the dream. You know, you well, and let me tell you how, how you. Uh, I, I think there is a way to concretely teach it. I, you know, you can you can sense when the writer, let's say, you're working with a novelist. Um, you know, when when you stop, you know, back to Hemingway, he said every writer needs a built-in shockproof shit detector. Well, what is right. that? That's the truth meter. 
And I, you know, and so I keep an eye out for that in my own work, and and I look for that in my students' work. You know, if I don't buy a scene or if I feel a character is being shallowly drawn, I just point that out to the to the writer and ask, well, what's really going on here? What's really going on? And right. you know, if they're really listening uh, to themselves and their intuition, uh, they'll believe that there's something to find there, and they'll keep going. It's quite quite beautiful to watch it is it is i do think i I, there's a lot of places you can get into the 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 state you go into as as a writer i I can sort of find it elsewhere but i i I tell my students that it really doesn't get better than this you can find places where it can feel as good but i just don't think it gets better i've never found it anywhere i think the closest is like on a long distance run where you're if you're running over an hour there's a uh, repetitive lovely dream state you get into but yeah. it's you know, nothing beats writing. I just, I, I, all these years, I, I, I love it as much as I ever did. Even though it's tough, obviously. There's times you sit down there and you go, what the, I can't find my, you're looking for that stream and you're not finding it. I think especially because right. it's tough. I think that a, a lot of writers are secretly grateful for how hard writing is. You know, <laughs> I, I listened to a study uh, on NPR, it was some, some uh, psychologist had I mean, done. This is her life's work, and she was traveling right. the world, interviewing people what they thought happiness was. I mean, all around the world, and, and right. one of the answers that really stuck with her and stuck sticks with me was a uh, a man in India in Calcutta who was a prominent businessman, but he was also a published poet. And he said, "You know, the the money I have has never brought me happiness. What brings me happiness is when I write poems," he said. Because in order to write them well, I must be completely absorbed in the task. And and he thought yeah. that that was the secret of happiness, complete absorbedness, which I think yes. is beautiful. Yes. You will never be more yourself when you're playing complete attention, to, complete and unjudged, without resistance, complete attention to what you're doing. That's you. You're complete yeah, attention. And, How well, can and, you be and more... back to what we were saying earlier about um, lack of self-consciousness. And, and that's that's when you can more fully get into the dream state. That's right. Well, you know what makes me happy, Andre? It's talking to you. What's that? I do Bella? love it. Talking to you. That's oh, one of the things. Likewise. Always a things. pleasure. So listen. Uh, okay. couple things. First of all, it, the book is called Gone So Long. It's fantastic. It is. I, I, I loved it. I'm loving Thank it. You. Actually, I'm halfway through it. I'm halfway through it. So don't tell me what happens at the end. So I'm, okay, I'm, I won't. I'm loving it. So next time I see you, maybe you'll sign it for me. But that's I'd love to. Wonderful book. I recommend it to everyone. But uh, you're going to be, you've started your tour today. So if people want to find out, is, is your, do you think your website is up to date with all your tour dates? Uh, you know what? It's fairly up to date today. Yes. Uh, I have okay, a nice good. way to do it. Um, as you know, I've never been on social media. I've never texted. <laughs> I don't have an iPhone. I never will. But I believe uh, it is up and running. It is. And I think on Facebook, he has a fan page on Facebook, which he will never visit, but it's there. And I think I was just visiting it today, and I think they have an updated tour schedule there. So if you want to go see Andre, he's great in public, gives great talks. Check it out, and he'll be doing a limited run, so you can check it out there. Okay, so I got one more question for you, Andre. I'm going to yes, change sir. it up a little bit here, okay? If, so think back to when Andre sat down and wrote that first short story at his kitchen table when he wasn't, when he was supposed to be boxing. But he was having his tea. Do you remember that guy at all? You remember I remember him? that guy. Yeah. Okay. What would you now, six books in, 
and all this blah, 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 all this great stuff. What would you say to him that he didn't know that he needs to know that you know? Hmm. That's great. Oh, geez. Um, what does he need to know that you know now? Well, let's not forget that guy uh, still went on to have a lot of violence in his life, right. mainly vigilante violence against people doing bad to other people. I, I, I think I would have told him, listen, man, uh, turn yourself over completely to writing now. Don't, uh, don't, don't, don't half do it for the next decade. I didn't have right. to do it. I mean, I really did do it daily, and it did change my life. But here's what I would say, Bill. I would say, what? listen, man, you're a writer. But I, I didn't call myself that for at least a decade of writing. And, and I, yeah. I think I would say, listen, accept it now. Embrace it. Don't be ashamed of it. And you know what? That's true of just about anybody who starts this journey. The, the first step is as meaningful as the thousandth step, really, isn't it? Our whole lives. You know, this is yeah. all we have. All we have is the moment. This is it, and we get nothing but the now. You know, one of my favorite lines from Jim Harrison, you know, it's a, right, we're going back to Buddhism. Yep. You know, the hey. Buddha said, be here now. Jim Harrison said, said yeah, but how about be now here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great? good stuff. It's good stuff. Andre, it's great talking to you. Congratulations. Congratulations. You too, brother, and thank you. You're welcome. Have fun on the tour. All right, man. I look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, take it easy. Bye-bye. Oh, it was a good one. Always good talking to Andre. Be here now. That's part of the reason we love writing, by the way, is you have to be in the moment. Yes, you do. You have to be in the moment. Okay, I want to thank, uh, I want to thank my fabulous producer, Mr. R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, R.J., as always. And I will be back with the author, Stephen Mark. Who is he? I don't remember his name. Hold on a second. I want to find out his name. Stephen Markley. Oh, he wrote Ohio. Ohio, yes. Big book. Okay, I'm going to interview him next week. Until then, you know what? Go do something you love. Can't go wrong. Uh-huh.